Welcome to another special edition of the Covenant Presbyterian Church podcast, a weekly broadcast of our Sunday sermon. I am Pastor Richard Hill. We are currently recording these sermons at home since the circumstances around the COVID-19 pandemic have caused us to cancel our in-person gatherings for the time being. Covenant Presbyterian Church is an open and affirming congregation. Our primary mission is to equip God's people to serve Christ in the world. In our messages, we hope that you will find inspiration, encouragement, and even challenge for your journey of faith. We invite you to listen with us now. A couple of weeks ago, I mentioned how I'm not a fan of New Year's resolutions, preferring instead the guidance of the star word rather than the personal improvement of the resolution. Recently, I saw a meme that read, you are not put on earth to lose weight and pay bills. A keen reminder that we're called to something more than what the diet and exercise industry would have us believe, especially in January. But there's even more to it than that. As we've continued our series on the ways we become real neighbors using the life and work of Mr. Reverend, Mr. Fred Rogers, linked to our Sunday school offering this month, today we're affirming how Mr. Rogers was at each and every person he met and how that's deeply connected to his theology and the whole of the biblical story that informs our life of faith. Our text from John is one we normally hear after Easter. It's one of those times the disciples experience the risen Christ. In the verses that precede these, Peter and a number of the disciples had gone back to their lives prior to their ministry with Jesus and are fishing, or at least trying to, since they weren't actually catching anything. And suddenly a man calls out from the shore, put the net on the other side. And they do, and it becomes so full they can barely haul it in. As they return to the shore with their great haul of fish, that same man is there on the beach cooking them breakfast. And in the sharing of the meal, their eyes are opened and they recognize him as their very own Jesus. So they finished breakfast and Jesus puts Peter on the spot, asking him repeatedly, do you love me? And each time Peter replies, yes, Lord, you know I love you. To my ear, he sounds more and more exasperated each time. Not only that, but does he actually know what Jesus means by feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep? And what do those minor differences even mean? Now, this moment has long been thought as the counterbalance to Peter's denials of knowing Jesus after his arrest. Throughout his time in ministry with Jesus, Peter fumbles over himself time and time again. Here, though, he seems to come through and get the answers right, earnestly telling Jesus that he loves him even when he's not sure what those next steps may be. I think you can be both exasperated and earnest at the same time. One of the things that Mr. Rogers often talked about was our need for love, not simply to be loved, but to love others. 
Jesus calls on Peter to come out of his post-resurrection malaise and remember why he followed Jesus in the first place and the deep affection that grew over their years of ministry together. As I worked both on our Sunday school and my sermon this week, a familiar song played in my head an awful lot. If you follow Covenant on Facebook, you may already know where I'm going with this. The song is Just the Way You Are by Billy Joel. It has great lyrics, and I suspect that many of you know, but one has stuck in my head all week long. What will it take till you believe in me the way that I believe in you? I think this is exactly what Jesus is asking Peter. Jesus has reminded Peter and the disciples of things over and over again, and they can be pretty clueless even though they are right there. But one of the things that's clear even as they fumble and misunderstand is that Jesus always has faith in them. Not that he didn't push or ask more of them, we can always learn to do better and be better in all sorts of ways, but he always believed in them. So I'd like for you to take a moment, not a whole Mr. Rogers minute, but a few seconds, and close your eyes and think about the person who has always had faith in you. Who was the person who has been your cheerleader or supporter in life or work or school? Who is the person in your life who has always believed in you? Jesus sees and honors that we are capable and lovable. The hard part is for us to see that we and others are capable and lovable. All too often, we don't see that which is capable and lovable in ourselves, not to mention that we don't always see it in the people who are different from us or a part of a different tribe. When we re-encounter Peter in our text from Acts, after the ascension of Jesus and the Pentecost, where the disciples have been empowered by the Holy Spirit, we're able and we're able to share the good news in languages they'd never spoken before. But before we get into the verses from Acts 10, let me give you a bit of background. At the end of chapter nine, Peter is traveling around sharing the good news and healing the people. And it includes the story of Tabitha, also known as Dorcas, and Peter raising her from the dead. At the beginning of chapter 10, we are introduced to Cornelius, a Gentile centurion of the Italian company who had become a God worshiper. A deeply generous and prayerful man, Cornelius had a visit one afternoon from a messenger of God. Remember those? instructing him to send runners to another town and bring Peter to his home. At the same moment, Peter 
in deep prayer, has a vision of the freedom to eat non-kosher foods, thereby making it possible for him to go and eat with Gentiles. When Cornelius' messengers arrive, God tells Peter to go with them, no questions asked. And Peter arrives at the home of Cornelius the following day. He's immediately greeted by Cornelius and his deep desire to learn and hear more about Jesus of Nazareth. This is essential to expanding and sharing of the gospel outside of the small ranks of the Jewish community and the nation, to the nations of the world far and wide reaching. In the verses you just heard, we hear from Peter this division between his Jewish community and these communities of Gentiles, and this clear awareness and a reminder that God does not show favorites. I think perhaps this is a text many of us need to hear a little more regularly. We and our Christian siblings across the nation tend to feel a superior, especially when their skin looks like mine. Particularly we see it though in the forces of Christian nationalism and in the tribalism that has been particularly at the forefront of our political landscape in recent memory. But Peter continues, and he stands firm, that God shows no partiality when he shares with them the gospel story. The verses that come later, he begins by saying, it began with John, and then Jesus came from Nazareth. I think it may be that he's fully living into what Jesus told him on the beach that day. Feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. Maybe Jesus cited lambs and sheep as a way of letting Peter and us know that the people would come to hear the story of his ministry and work of the gospel, young and old, worn out and in need of care, even though who, those who needed to hear the gospel again, who needed to be reminded that they, too, are a part of the household God. At the very beginning of our story as a people of faith, in the earliest chapters of Genesis, we are taught that God created humanity in God's own image, not just Adam and Eve, but the whole of humanity. That means that in all of our different shapes and sizes, all of our noise or quietness, all of our shades and colors, every facet of every person you meet in every other human is a facet of the divine. And every facet of yourself, even and maybe especially the ones that make you make faces in the mirror or not look in the mirror at all, those two are facets of God. They are aspects of who God created you to be. It's also a good reminder that in all of those aspects and facets of divinity we carry with us, so does everybody else. 
which means that any sense of superiority or supremacy is antithetical to being a person of faith to the very gospel itself. I suppose we all have to learn it, just like Peter did, that we can sit down and share a meal with people who are different from us, who live and love differently than we do, who think differently from us. And in doing so, we honor the facets of divinity found in each and every one of us. In those opening lines of Just the Way You Are, Billy Joel sings, don't go changing to try and please me. You've never let me down before. God has created us to be fully who we are, even and sometimes especially those rough and uncomfortable parts. It doesn't mean we can coast along feeling like all is right with the world, because clearly it's not. And God calls us, like Peter, to share the good news, both with those who have never heard it and those who need a bit more good news in their lives. God believes in us, even, and so even, so we have to believe in ourselves, believe in our role in repenting for the brokenness of the world, believe in our role in repairing the world, believe in our ability to love and be loved. For this, God so loved the world. And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you for listening to the Covenant Presbyterian Church podcast. We would normally invite you to worship with us in person on Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. But while we weather the storm of the COVID-19 pandemic, we invite you to worship with us online through our website, www.covprezatl.org. Our weekly worship video is posted there each Sunday morning. Our website is also where you can find out more about us and get in touch. We wish you well in these times of upheaval. Grace and peace to you.